Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, James. Well, James chapter 5 in your Bibles this morning, if you brought one with you. And let me just start by kind of uh, kicking off a few questions for you. So this will be participation time. You'll slip your hand up. So let me ask you, have you ever been taken advantage of before? Would you slip your hand up? You say, yep, been taken advantage of. All right, I think that was probably everybody. Let me kind of get a little bit uh, more specific. Have you ever done a job for somebody and didn't get paid what you were supposed to get paid? Anybody in the house on that one? All right, not as many. How about this one? You ever been contracted to do work, but you weren't actually paid for doing the work? Somebody skipped out on the bill. I hadn't even said raise your hand yet. And some of you are like, that's me, man. I'll tell you what it's me. That's right. James, in James chapter 5, he is writing to Jewish believers who are actually experiencing being taken advantage of in the workplace. And now James is actually going to teach them how they should respond in these particular situations. So with that in mind, James, first of all, goes directly to speak to those who are rich who have gathered to actually be a part of the worship service. So James chapter 5, beginning of verse 1. Stand with me if you will, and honor God's word. And you've got it there in front of you. Say amen. And uh, James 5, 1 says, Come now, you rich, uh, weep and howl for your miseries which are coming upon you. Uh, your riches have rotted, and your garments have become moth-eaten. Your gold and your silver have rusted, and their rust will be a witness against you, and will consume your flesh like fire. It's in the last days that you have stored up your treasure. Behold, the pay of the laborers who mowed your fields, of which has been withheld by you, cries out against you, and the outcry of those who did the harvesting has reached the ears of the Lord of the Sabbath. Uh, you have lived luxuriously on the earth and led a life of wanton pleasure. You have fattened your hearts in a day of slaughter. You have condemned and put to death the righteous man. He does not resist you. Uh, therefore, be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. The farmer waits for the precious produce of the soil, being patient about it until it gets the early and late rains. Uh, you too be patient. Strengthen your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is near. Uh, do not complain, brethren, against one another, so that you yourselves may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing uh, right at the door. As an example, brethren, of suffering and patience, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. We count those blessed who endured. You have heard the endurance of Job, and we have seen the outcome of the Lord's dealings, that the Lord is full of compassion and is merciful. And then verse 12, but above all, my brethren, uh, do not swear either by heaven or by earth, or with any other oath, but your yes is to be yes, your no, no, so that you may not fall under judgment. Well, let's bow together. Father, we do thank you for the time that we've had as we've gone verse by verse through this book. And Lord, we thank you every time we open up the Bible, it really is your word to us. You, you wrote this. Uh, you have practical wisdom here for us today. So I pray in the name of Jesus Christ that you would allow us to receive the word of God uh, implanted into our souls and it would bear fruit, uh, fruit that would remain. And you would help us, Lord, uh, to live in such a way, even in the marketplace, that we do not dishonor uh, your holy name. And we thank you for this today. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. And everybody said, Amen. Well, you go ahead and be seated. We just kind of come out of the gate with a statement about those that James is writing to. The very first thing, this is in your listening guide. You can kind of jot this down, but get this down. Uh, he says, those who are getting it now are going to get it later. 
Uh, those who are getting it now are going to get it later. Now, how does he do that? Well, James 5 and 1, notice he says, come now. And by the way, that's the phrase that James uses whenever he's like saying, uh, listen up, pay attention, uh, I'm speaking to you now. All right, he says, come now, you who are rich. So we don't even have to guess about who he's speaking of, right? He's speaking to the rich people who have gathered together right there in the place of worship. Now, you'll remember James chapter 2 as we studied this, that James teaches us not to show favoritism to those who are rich, but instead we're to treat everybody without any partiality. Well, whenever we look at James chapter 5, He is literally speaking to those rich people who have shown up in the worship services, but they do not have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. So he says, come now, you who are rich. Now, you kind of got to put yourself in their situation, because back in this particular day, whenever you received a letter from James as a congregation, you were fired up about it, all right? So it's like, hey, James sent us a letter. Let's get everybody together. Let's read the letter. So he's like, congregation, got a letter from James. Here it is. And they get to James chapter 5. And you can imagine when he says, listen up, you rich. Some of the rich probably thought, oh, great. James wants to speak directly to us. You know, we we have all of these riches because we must be doing something right. God must be blessing our lives. So let's lean in now and let's hear what James has to say. He probably just wants to bless us. And then notice what he says. Come now, you rich, weep and howl. Doesn't sound like blessing, does it? Weep and howl literally means cry out your eyes. Burst into tears. And then the question is why? I mean, why is he now calling these rich people to actually cry their eyes out? And the reason is right there in the text. For your miseries which are coming upon you. That speaks of hardship that is actually going to be heaped upon them in the days ahead. And James says in James 5 and verse 2, Your riches have rotted and your garments have become moth-eaten. Now, in those particular days, a person's wealth was actually measured in three major ways. Uh, They measured in how much food they had, uh, what their clothes looked like, how many fine garments they possessed. And they also measured their riches in how many precious uh, metals they had, gold, silver, uh, things of that nature. And so here, James is saying, come here, rich, all right? Weeping how your miseries are coming, your riches have rotted, and your garments are going to be moth-eaten, all right? He is speaking about the very things that these rich people are trusting in. He's saying that what you are trusting in is actually going to be done away with and go completely to waste. Now, whenever you read this moth-eaten, I wasn't real sure uh, what these moths were, so I Google searched them. Y'all with me on that? So it's like, okay, Google, uh, what is moth-eaten garments? And they show pictures. Are y'all with me? And uh, these garments literally have these uh, nasty larva worms that eat up that individual's clothing. And so James is saying that's what's going to happen. The very things that you are trusting in now are actually going to be ruined. And then he goes a step further, and he even speaks about their gold and their silver. He says, your gold and silver have rusted. Uh, That is, your precious metals will be corroded by the elements of time. So it doesn't matter how tightly you hold on uh, to money or how tightly you hold on uh, to your precious metals. Over the course of time, uh, the elements will actually destroy all of this. And verse 3 says, and the rust that will come from the elements, will actually be a witness against you. 
So put that in your mind for a second. He's speaking now about the day in which that individual, those rich he's speaking to, will actually stand before God and the rust from their gold, and this is an imagery, it's a picture, the rust will actually testify against you in God's courtroom. And it will give witness that you placed all of your trust in it instead of in the Lord Jesus Christ. And then you notice verse 3, he says, It is in the last days that you have stored up your treasure. So again, this is a reference to the final judgment. Uh, The Bible teaches that these individuals who are piling up their goods will stand before the Lord Jesus one day and they will give an account. Now, as I was studying this, I kind of thought about a, a, a weight scale. You know those things you stand on to figure out how much you weigh? All right, well, think about the weight scale actually being a judgment scale, all right? And so these rich people who have not trusted Jesus are taking all of their garments and all of their riches and they are piling them up on the scale and the measurement of the weight continues to compound all of their precious metals heavier and heavier and then James says one day they'll stand before God and the judgment which has been already weighed out will testify against them and then God in his justice will actually pour out punishment upon these individuals And it really is a reference to the fact that they'll spend eternity separated from God in hell. He says that they will be scorched like fire. And so he is warning uh, these rich people. Now, the question is, what are these rich people doing? I mean, why is it that James now is really just barreling in on these who are wealthy? Well, a few few reasons. One reason is because they weren't paying their workers. Look at verse 4. He says, Behold the pay of the laborers who mowed your fields. And which has been withheld by you cries out against you. And the outcry of those who did the harvesting has reached the ears of the Lord of the Sabbath. Now here he's saying uh, what you owe those people uh, that you haven't paid yet, that cash is actually crying out before the Lord. So if you think about that weight scale again, you got all the garments, all your precious metals on there, and now your cash that you're hanging on to, it's like that cash is also being added to that weight. And then he says that even the workers, all right, their cries are being heard by the Lord. So it's as if the Lord himself is collecting the tears in a bottle of those who have not been paid rightly. And he is putting that on the scale. And he is continually compounding it. And they are storing up this great judgment for themselves in the days to come. He says this actually hit the ears of the Lord of the Sabbath. It means the Lord of the host or the Lord of the angel armies. So they weren't paying their workers. And then there's a second thing. They were living selfishly. Verse 5 says, You've lived luxuriously on the earth and led a life of wanton pleasure. You have fattened your hearts in a day of slaughter. Uh, While the workers go unpaid, uh, while the workers go underpaid, uh, these who had the means to pay were living uh, very vibrant, very uh, exorbitant lifestyles. Uh, So they they cruised around in the the best chariot. They had the most. They flaunted that while those who worked for them went without. And they were living selfishly. And the Bible says that they are fattening up their hearts for a day of slaughter. And that's pretty encouraging, don't you think? Y'all with me say yeah? Now, 
they know what it is to fatten something up, all right, for slaughter. Uh, I know what it is now. You know, when I was over in Cameroon after we finished a, uh, a week of meetings, the people there actually encouraged us, me and some other guys, to go out into the field and to choose a, a cow to be slaughtered. We were going to have a party. And I'd never done that before. Y'all with me on this? So I just go out, and whenever I go out and survey all the cows, I'm not looking for a cow that looks like me. Y'all with me? I'm not looking for some bony cow. I'm looking for a fat boy. So we found a fat one and said, we'll take that fat one right there. And uh, they killed it, and then we ate it. Now, this imagery is that they are storing up treasure, living luxuriously, and they are fattening up their own hearts for a day of slaughter. And uh, James can't be any more uh, straightforward, I don't think, than he's being right here in this text. And then we see they not only were living selfishly, but they were oppressing the people. Uh, Verse 6, he says, you've condemned and put to death the righteous man. He does not resist you. Now, this idea of condemning them and putting them to death, it references really back to James chapter 2, where he says, don't show favoritism to those who are rich, because aren't they the ones who are carrying you to court? Aren't they the ones who are suing you? And so this is another reference to that, that they are carrying their workers into the courthouses and they are creating stories about them so that their workers, whom they have not paid righteously, are actually getting in trouble with the law. Some of them being condemned, some of them being put to death. So here he says, look, you're oppressing the people. Uh, They're living uh, selfishly they aren't paying their workers and so james kind of like he, he just brings them up hey come come, come now uh you rich uh, l- let me tell you you're getting it now here on earth but you're really gonna get it when you see god y'all encouraged so far aren't y'all glad james has just been so easy to preach through it's just one of those patchy on the back kind of messages isn't it now James turns his attention to those who are followers of Jesus. And he says, now, you you guys who are experiencing this and you're suffering unjustly, let me share with you how you should respond when you're not paid on time or you're not paid at all. And then he kind of lays out a few. And this is really, it it applies to any time that you're taking advantage of. How do you respond? And he just lays out uh, a quick statement for us. Uh, Let me put it to you like this in the notes. Put off the desire to get even with those who take advantage of you. Put off the desire to get even with those who take advantage of you. Look at verse 7. He just kind of starts it off. Therefore, be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. Uh, Everybody say patient this morning. Yeah, patient. That's how we respond when we're done wrong. Now, in preparation for this message, I did talk to some folks who were uh, contractors. And I asked them, you know, have you ever been done wrong, didn't get paid, had a difficult situation? Uh, Each one that I spoke to said, yeah, that's happened to me before. said, how are you tempted to respond when they did you wrong? You want me to tell you what they said? Can I, can I, right here? Y'all remember this, the knuckle sandwich, y'all out there? That's, That's how we were tempted, right? So I started kind of reading through some of the temptations that people face when they're done wrong, especially in the workplace. And let me just kind of give these to you. Some people, uh, if they're not being paid on time or what they think they ought to be paid, they get lazy on the job. So you're not doing your best to the glory of God. Instead, you're giving yourself an out, saying, well, it's not like he or she's taking advantage of me or anything. Why should I work my finger to the bone? So people get lazy. Uh, They get apathetic in the workplace. And listen, look at the preacher uh, for just a moment, eyeball to eyeball. You 
as a follower of Jesus, ultimately work for the Lord. So when you get apathetic and lazy to try to stick it to your employer, you are actually uh, living unrighteously, being disobedient to Jesus, who is your ultimate boss. So if you're not getting it the way you think you ought to be getting it at home, just know Jesus sees you and Jesus will reward you when you work hard. I figured I'd get more amens on that. I'll take the one. Thank you, Miss Judy. Here, here's a second, all right? Not only should you not be lazy, here, here's one. You might be tempted to steal. Somebody works in uh, maybe the financial department. You think you ain't getting what you get paid. You, you see some cash there laying around. You're like, well, they won't miss this. He owes it to me anyway. She, she owes me. So you grab it and stick it in your pocket and walk on out. Yeah, that's stealing. Or maybe you start using the company card. So get, they didn't pay me right. I'm just going to yeah, buy some groceries on there. I'm going to get some gas on this. Stealing. Y'all out there? Y'all didn't know I was preaching on this this morning. You would not have come, would you? How about this one? You might be tempted to slander. Slander that boss slander that business so every time you get an opportunity to talk uh, junk about them you you rail on that person or on that business uh, tempted to become bitter thought about this one right maybe 20 years ago maybe you were done wrong in the workplace but every single time you hear that guy's name or that lady's name or that business's name there's like this inner rage that kind of comes alive and you rehash the story all over again, and you furrow your brow, and you grit your teeth, and you have this uh, inner anger towards the bitterness of sin. If you hold on to that unforgiving spirit, it will choke your life out. And then I've been talking with somebody who uh, sent me a text later. They said, by the way, Levi, just, just letting you know, whenever you're done wrong, uh, you're tempted to no longer trust anyone. Isn't that true? So you're, you're tempted. Now, now think about this, all right? Y'all listen to me say yeah? I mean, seriously, y'all listening say yeah? All right, good. So, so let's say you're working at a place and that, that you didn't get paid right, but check it out. But the employers are living it up. I mean, you see what they're driving. You see where they're living. You see the vacations they're going on. You check their Facebook account. They got all these pictures. They got everything, but they're taking advantage of you. You know, you know what you might be tempted to do? I started thinking about what I'd be tempted to do. I know this don't sound right, but I'm like, you're going to do that to me? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mess up your property. <laughs> Y'all all right? I'm not talking about like rolling your yard. You know what I'm saying? It's like, I'm going to tear up your stuff, all right? You drive that thing, I'm going to poke them tires out. Can I get a witness? Y'all don't leave me up here by myself, man. All right? Amen. Amen. God bless you. Now we're preaching. But, but I did, I read about one particular uh, a company, they were a garment company, they made, they made clothes, and the people who worked there got all fired up because they didn't get paid on time. They didn't say, let's strike, Here, here's what they said, let's burn the place down. <laughs> and they did, they set it on fire and burned it to the ground. That's what, like, you have to have that conversation with somebody at work, right? Hey man, I got an idea. <laughs> let's just burn it down. Are y'all with me? <laughs> Like, if you do that, just letting you know, you won't have a job anymore, all right? So don't, don't set your place on fire. Not a good idea. So how should you respond? 
Notice what James says again, verse 7. He's like, be patient. Be patient. Now, when he speaks his patience, he, he means have long-suffering. Uh, have a long fuse. Don't blow up in anger when you are done wrong, when you're taken advantage of. Now, what is it that really is going to drive this attitude of patience uh, whenever you're done wrong? Is it just like this self-will? No, no, no. Here it is. Whenever you truly place your faith in the fact that Jesus is coming again and Jesus will settle all of the accounts and Jesus will take care of it, when you trust that, then you can be patient. But when you're not trusting in Jesus to take care of business, then you do not act out with patience. But you act out with vengeance. And it was uh, Paul who wrote in Romans 12, Never pay back evil for evil to anyone. Respect what is right in the sight of all men, if possible. So far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. Never take your own revenge, beloved, but leave room for the wrath of God. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Did you, see, did you hear that? Leave room for the wrath of the Lord. You, you've probably asked somebody to scoot over before. Maybe you got into a truck and there's too many people in there and you're like, slide over, man, make some room for me. Maybe you got in the elevator, it's like, move on over. Look, can I get up in here? Let me, let me get in here and move over. Make some room. Right. Well, here, here, here's the deal. When you are patient, when done wrong, you are actually scooting over and getting out of God's way to work. Notice how he says, here's how, he says like, here's how y'all to be patient. Verse 7, he gives an example. The farmer waits for the precious produce of the soil, being patient about it until it gets the early and late rains. Uh, you too be patient. Now, all of us, we've seen farms around here. We've got corn growing up everywhere, right? Uh, how, whenever they go and they plant it, the farmers are patiently waiting for God to send the rain and the sun and make the climate just right for that to produce a crop. When you are patient... And you don't try to carry out vengeance or get even with somebody. But when you are patient, you are actually allowing the justice of God to grow up. And when it is right, God will pick it. So if you're being done wrong, don't run out into the crop and mess up the field. Patiently wait upon the Lord to work. He says in verse 8, strengthen your hearts for the coming of the Lord is near. Strengthen your hearts. It means to set your heart upright and immovable. Set your heart to trust in God and to trust in His timing and you keep working for the Lord. And listen, some of you, maybe you just came to church. That's what you need this morning. Uh, you've been uh, mistreated. Uh, you've been taken advantage of. Here's what you need to begin to remind yourself. You might have to preach it to yourself. You might have to say... Uh, I am trusting in the Lord alone. He is my hope. He sees what's going on, and He will take care of me. And so you've got to trust the Lord. Now, let me give you another little statement here because I think it's pretty awesome. Not only should you uh, put off the desire to get even, but put off the desire to gripe about your situation. Uh, look at verse 9, if you will. Don't complain, brethren, against one another, so that yourselves may not be judged. Behold, uh, the judge is standing right at the door. So don't complain, brethren, against one another. Uh, this is the idea that whenever they get together in, the, in uh, fellowship, that they start griping and groaning and sighing and complaining about their situation. Uh, you, you think about it, all right? Sanctified imagination. Y'all with me say, yeah? 
So you go to work, you've been done wrong, you ain't got paid right, maybe you were contracted and you still ain't been paid. You come to work, and you, or you come to church rather, and you run into somebody, and they say, well, how are you doing? Not so good. Well, what's wrong with you? Well, man, I'll tell you what, I did this job for uh, this business over here, and they just hadn't paid me yet. No kidding. You, they hadn't paid you? Not one red penny. Well, well, let me ask you, you said what business it was, and it was so-and-so business. Well, tell me, who's the guy you're talking about? Well, uh, his name is Ted. Ted? Yes, Ted. Ted? Y'all see what I just did right there? And then he says, Ted's my cousin. Now you got a problem in church, y'all with me? Now, can I just go ahead and let you know, everybody around here is related to each other. I'm just letting you know. So if you go junk talking people in the church and you start talking about this business or that person or that person, know this, you're going to stir some things up. Don't complain against one another. And you know what is right? Listen to me closely. It may be somebody that goes to church here who's done you wrong. And you might be sitting there saying, that's right, preach it, brother. He's sitting right over there on the other side of the room. Y'all listening? Y'all don't want to point, do you? Don't. Don't complain against one another. <laughs> just got real up in here, didn't it? Y'all so funny, man. I love it. It's like your eyes and stuff. Y'all just crazy acting. That's what you are. Now, he gives an example. All right, everybody say, be patient. Right? Be patient. He says, uh, verse 10, as an example, brethren of suffering and patient, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. I thought this was... I mean, wildly interesting. All right. He's talking to workers who mowed the fields and weren't paid right now. He says, you guys out here, I want you to think about the prophets of the Old Testament. They did exactly what God called them to do. I think of Jeremiah. Preached 40 years, not one convert. They could not stand Jeremiah. So they actually persecuted him, locked him in stocks. Uh, threw him in this big jar to keep his mouth shut. All of these things happened, but Jeremiah remained faithful to what God called him to do. See, think about those guys. And they suffered unjustly, but whenever we look at their lives, check this out, we look at their lives and we say they are blessed. Now, are y'all listening, say yeah? Look at me, look at me. In the same way, Jeremiah, Malachi, uh, all of the Old Testament prophets, in the same way that they were faithful even in the midst of unjust suffering, you be faithful to Jesus when you face unjust suffering. Say, so, well, I, I, didn't, I didn't get paid when I was supposed to get paid. I'm not taken care of here. I trust Jesus. Be like the prophets of the Old Testament. Remember Job? He brings him up. I like it. He says, you've heard of the endurance of Job and have seen the outcome of the Lord's dealings that the Lord is full of compassion and is merciful. Now think about Job, all right? Unjust suffering uh, had everything taken from him. Uh, had his job taken from him. Had his, uh, all of his cattle. Had his house taken from him. Had his whole family taken from him. Everybody but his wife. And then if you read about the wife, you'd be like, take her too. Y'all listening? Because she, she wasn't any help. <laughs> but everything's gone. But, but here's what Job says in the book of Job. And I love it. I read it at the beginning of the year. So Job says, when he has tested me, who's he talking about? He's got all this unjust suffering going on. When he has tested, oh my God. When he has tested me, I shall come forth like gold. 
And then check it out. He says this. He says, though he slay me. Who's he talking about? Talking about the Lord. Though he slay me, yet will I praise him. Y'all leaning in, come here, because I want you to listen to this now. Y'all, y'all paying attention, say yeah. You, you might be suffering, un- you did a job, you ain't got paid. You, you've been taking advantage of. That did not touch your life until it went through the providential palm of Jesus. He's allowed it. <laughs> y'all listening? Now, why in the world would Jesus do that? I mean, it's like, you know what we're doing, Lord. You see us down here working hard. Why'd you let those people take advantage of it? Because I want to teach you to trust in me alone. So your unjust suffering uh, may not be because of your sinfulness. Your unjust suffering may be because of your faithfulness to the Lord. And when you you read the life of Job, you, you discover, right, how merciful and compassionate the Lord is. Uh, the Lord repaid to Job everything that he had lost and more. And listen, look at, look at the preacher. Jesus knows what you're going through, and Jesus is keeping up with it, and you will be taken care of by Jesus. But you just got to trust him. Y'all out there, y'all didn't like that preaching, I could tell. Right? Y'all like, unjust suffering, the Lord allows it to happen? Yep. Be like those, listen, Jeremiah, 40 years, persecuted. But he was faithful to every single word God gave him. And I read it this past week because I'm reading Jeremiah, my devotion. And you know what Jeremiah prays? Jeremiah prays that the vengeance of the Lord would come down. And then I like how he does it in Jeremiah 20. He says, and let me see it. (laughs) Chill out, Jeremiah. You know what I mean? I highlighted that in my Bible. I'm like, that's pretty legit. My man praying hard. All right, <laughs> y'all seem like y'all want to go further on that, but I gotta get I gotta get you this right here. La- last little statement, and then a few more statements. <laughs> but but I think this is in your your listening guide. Don't get trapped by your own tongue. Look, look, again, look at verse 12 because he says, uh, uh, "But above all, my brethren, do not swear either by heaven or by earth or with any uh, other oath, but your yes is to be yes, your no is to be no, so that you may not fall under judgment." So, so don't get trapped by your tongue. So here's what he's saying. Uh, whenever you are in this situation, uh, make sure you don't start making oaths and swearing that you're going to do certain stuff to get even with somebody. You know, I, I thought about how this might look, right? You, you get taken advantage of, and maybe you've said something like this before. By God, there's no way in the world they're going to continue to do this. I'm going to take care of it. Listen, when you, st- when you start a sentence out, by God, you're swearing, bro, all right? Be careful. Not a good idea. Or then somebody may swear like this. And so I swear to the Lord I'm going to make that person pay. They're going to wish they never laid eyes on me. Not, not smart. Or, or you may use the name of Jesus as a curse word itself. And people are doing that all the time, right? Well, Jesus. Jesus Christ. I can't believe this is happening. You better chill out with that kind of speech, bro. Because one day you're going to stand before the very one whose name you're using as a curse word. Not smart. Right. So he's like, don't, don't, don't be swearing. Don't get trapped with your tongue. 
And he said, just let your yes be yes, your no be no. In other words, just speak the truth and live for Jesus. Do what God's called you to do and trust the Lord to take care of business. Now, i got to go quick, man. Y'all are taking way too long on this sermon. But you've got to... Um, You've got to know whenever you read James 5, 1 through 6 about all these rich people, you just assume all rich people are going to hell when they die. Don't you? That's what I did when I was like, good night, these rich people, boy. But, but here's, here's the deal. If you make over $2 a day, globally you're considered rich. So we all fixing to be in a mess. Y'all listening? So, so when we look at this, we've also got to look at it in light of the rest of Scripture. All right? And the Bible does teach that you can be saved and be rich. Matter of fact, the Bible teaches, Paul writing to Timothy, how a person is to live a rich lifestyle. And uh, just a few things that I would throw out to you if you are well off. Are y'all listening say yes? I'm just going to give them to you in statements. Y'all listening say yes. All right, here it is. You might want to jot it down. Uh, don't trust your riches above the Lord. Proverbs 23.5 says, Cast but a glance at riches and they are gone, for they will surely sprout wings and fly off like an eagle. You, you ever seen an eagle take off? That's how your finances are going to do. Here, here's the second one. Uh, and this, man, you don't get more practical than this. Y'all look at me eyeball to eyeball. This is pretty wild right here. Y'all listening say, yeah. I want y'all to hear this. Hey, if you owe somebody for work rendered, pay them. I ain't never preached that before. I'm going to say it again. I want y'all to all say amen. Because you ain't never heard it in a church before either. If you owe somebody for work rendered, pay them. 1 Timothy 5.18 says a worker is worthy of his wages. I mean, let me give you this one. Don't live selfishly. Uh, the best way to live, uh, if you're wealthy, is to live generously. Invest in the kingdom of God. Paul commends the gift he received from the church at Philippi. He says, it was good for you to share with me in my affliction. Uh, help those who are needy. Proverbs 19:17. He who lends to the poor lends to the Lord, and he will reward him for what he has done. All right, now everybody look at me. When we look at this text, James 5, 1 through 12, uh, there is a common theme that the Lord is coming. Y'all believe this, eh? Yeah? And, and here's the deal. Everybody is going to stand before the Lord. Those who trust Him and those who say, I want nothing to do with it. You are still going to God. And you may be here today and you're not trusting in riches, but you're trusting in something else other than the Lord Jesus Christ. And you are living a life separated from God, doing your own thing, piling up more and more condemnation in the last days. You're going to see God one day. And when you stand before Him, and this is what drives me nuts when people are like, oh, when I see Him one day, I, I'm, I've got a few things I want to share with Him. You ain't going to say nothing. I mean, you ain't near as big and bad as you think you are when you stand before Jesus, all right? You will fall to your face, your sin will be laid bare, and then you'll be judged. And the Bible says you'll go to hell when you die. You say, well, that's, that's, that, I, I knew this Baptist church, that's all they ever talk about is hell. No, no, that's just, that's just Bible preaching. Jesus taught more about hell than he ever did heaven. Because he wanted to warn people. That's why I'm trying to do some of you. You're going to see God one day, I'm trying to help you. And then at the same time, those of you who know the Lord, you're going to stand before the Lord one day, and you're going to get into heaven. Listen, not because you weren't well off, not because you were generous. You're going to get to heaven because Jesus died to pay for your sin, was buried and resurrected, and you embraced Him as Lord. 
And when you did that, you were counted as righteous as you will ever be. Now when you stand before Jesus, he'll be like, come in. Not because you got it going on, but because he's gracious. So, y'all looking at me eyeball to eyeball, I'm trying to close this up. Look at me hard. Still waiting on a couple of you. Hey, look, you're going to see God one day. You will. Are you ready for that? If not, guess what? You can get ready. Aren't y'all glad to hear that one? You know what the Bible says? Today's the day of salvation. Hey, when's the day of salvation? I didn't hear that. Yeah, today. It's like, don't put it off. Today's the day. What are you trusting in? Trust in the Lord. Amen. Let's bow together. Father, speak to hearts. You're here today and you don't have a genuine relationship with the Lord Jesus. Now I'm encouraging right where you are just to pray something like this in your heart as I pray out loud. Just say, God, I know I'm going to see you one day. And I want to be prepared. And so today I'm turning from my sin. Turning from my self-effort. Laying aside my pride. And I'm trusting that when Jesus died over 2,000 years ago, that he paid for the penalty of my sin. That he was buried and resurrected. And so today I'm turning from my sin and placing my trust in Jesus. I want to be your disciple. I want to follow you. Forgive me. Give me a new life. Your head.